if you knew Justin, who's in that video, it'd make watching the video even more special. So uh, you should get to know Justin. So before I start our, our message today, I want to give a, a couple of just great news shout outs. So uh, Dudley and Donna Light sitting right over here. Y'all raise your hand. They are celebrating 50 years of being married today or this week. Yeah. Friday. Wow. That is awesome. Such a rare thing in our day and something to be celebrated when you see it. So uh, Dudley is one of our elders here at our church, and we are grateful for their place in our church and uh, his role in that group. Uh, also today, um, you know, sometime back we prayed for uh, Alexa, who stands here and sings. Uh, we prayed for her dad. Uh, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And we as a church gathered, anointed him with oil and prayed. And we've continued to pray. Uh, I think it was this past week uh, or so, um, he went back to the doctor for another uh, evaluation and checkup. And the doctor said, we find no traces of cancer in your body. Wow. Amen. Woo. I'm telling you. That is some great news. God is still on the throne, and God is still at work today. So uh, I knew that'd be something we all should celebrate and thank God for today. So I'm grateful. So here we are in our series, Breathe, as we continue to learn how God has designed not just our physical body, but our, our spiritual body, that we might breathe in his goodness and breathe out his grace to others. That's the design. He's, he's created us physically with the rhythm of breathing in and out, and you do it all day long without thinking about it. He's called us to walk by faith in him in such a way that it becomes so routine, so rhythmic in our life, intentional and intentional in, intentional out. We learn how to breathe in and breathe out. It's part of God's design for health in our physical body. I've mentioned this before, but I'm just, I'm just still astounded by this. But you know, one of the ways that God has intended to remove poisons and toxins from your body is through your exhale. He really does. 70% of toxins in your body are sent out through when you exhale. That's why it's so important to learn how to take deep breaths in and deep exhales out. Get that stuff out of your body as part of God's design. Also, I've just been fascinated by the idea that the way God has designed our lungs, though they fit here in this cavity within our body, they are designed in such a way with these spongy layers that uh, doctors tell us that if you were to take them out and unfold all the layers and parts to them, they would take up the size of a tennis court area. It is the largest then organ in our body that God has designed for the function of breathing in, bringing oxygen to our blood system, and then removing toxins from our body. All the tiny parts and passageways and airways inside your lungs, if they were to be taken out and lined up in a single line, they would stretch for 1,500 miles. I don't mean all of ours. I mean just one of us. God has designed a very intricate system in our bodies for breathing. 
And he intends for us to take in and breathe out. And he's designed our spiritual life in a very similar fashion that you and I might know how to effectively breathe in all that he has breathed out and that we'd live that out in our life. If you have shallow, shallow faith, it's equivalent to shallow breathing. If you have a limited supply of oxygen coming in, you know it affects you physically. If you have a limited amount of spiritual life coming in, it will affect you spiritually. God has designed us so that our passageways are open and clean physically and the same spiritually. So uh, Heather and I experienced this, our whole family did, several years ago in our home on a very physical level. And I'm going to draw an analogy here because we had a problem with our plumbing at our house. And plumbing involves pipes, and God designed our airways that are much like pipes. So we began to have this trouble with um, one of our bathrooms where it wouldn't flush properly, and then things were backing up into the shower. You'd never want that to happen. It's just terrible. And then stuff was coming out on the floor. It was just terrible. So it got to the point where me, me using a plunger wasn't working, no matter how long I tried. I had to call a plumber. So call a plumber. He comes out, and they can't get it initially either. And they say, well, it's going to cost a little extra, but we're going to have to send a camera below the surface to try to find out what's going on because there's things happening below the surface that we need to deal with. That sounds like church, right? Things happening below the surface that we need to deal with. And so um, I said, okay, well, we got to get this fixed. We can't have this problem forever. So the company comes out, they run a camera under, and it turns out there are some significant issues. And the guy says, you have broken pipes under your foundation. Oh, that sounds terrible because it's you know, slab foundation. You can't just crawl under it and get to it and repair it. I said, so what do we do? He says, we're going to have to tear up your floor. We're going to have to chisel out concrete. We're going to have to get jackhammers. We're going to have to remove part of the foundation to get to this pipe. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, he says, oh, here's the other part. There's two spots like that in your house. It's okay. Where are they? And he said, well, one of them is in a bedroom, which is Taylor's bedroom at the time. And they would end up going in there and taking out like this, I don't know, two foot by two foot square where they just, you know, remove the tile, remove the concrete. And pretty soon all you see is, you know, dirt down there in this pipe. And so they go down to fix that pipe. And they said, the other one is under your bathtub. Really? And it was the original bathtub from the house built back in the 70s. So they said, we're going to have to take this bathtub out. And so they did, took the bathtub out, dug down deep, and found the pipe, repaired it. They said, what's happened is the pipes, which were cast iron pipes, they broke. And then roots have grown up into the pipes. Lots of roots. And then when you get lots of roots in there, you get stuff that gets stuck against the roots. And eventually it stacks up and just blocks up and clogs up. So I took pictures when all of that happened back in 2013 because I thought, I want to remember this. So let me show you a few pictures of what happened back then. So the first one is of our, our bathroom where they dug out. See, this is where the bathtub was. You can see the faucet up there on the end and it's all removed. And there they dug down into the slab, down into the dirt, and they took the pipe out. The pipe's removed at this point. So you can see where all that was. The next one is a picture of one of the pipes this is the pipe. You can see the crack in it there. And all, that's all it needs because, you know, you've got water flowing down in this pipe. And, of course, that 
you put a little water in some dirt and vines just and roots just go right to it. And we have lots of trees and all that kind of stuff. So then I took a picture of what one of the insides of the pipe looked like. Please don't get too grossed out by that. That was inside the pipe. That's what was clogging the pipe. That's why our plumbing wasn't working. It was all clogged up with these roots and dirt and other stuff. So it's just terrible. When you get clogged pipes, you just, you, you can't have stuff going out like it needs to. And then one final picture of just inside one of the pipes was totally blocked, just completely blocked up there. And when that happens for your plumbing in your house, it's a bad thing. When that same thing happens in your spiritual life, where what was intended to be an airway coming in and an airway going out, when that gets restricted, when that gets limited, it can cause some problems in our life. God has called us to a place where we know how to breathe, breathe freely. This is what he has called us to. And Jesus was passionate for this when he came. Jesus laid out his uh, mission statement, if you will, when he said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Because if your heart's broken and it doesn't get healed, it ends up becoming restricted. It ends up becoming limited when people carry hurt, resentment, pain. It restricts your airway of truth coming in and life going out. Jesus said, I've come to bring the the gospel good news to the poor. He wasn't just talking about those who didn't have enough money. He was talking about those who were in a place of poverty in their spirit. They were filled with guilt and they were filled with shame and they had developed a victim mentality and they were hopeless. When all of that is happening in your soul, it starts restricting the airflow, the truth flow into your life. Jesus said, I've come to bring deliverance to those who are held captive to those who have been enslaved by habits and anger and bitterness and resentment. He said, I've come to set them free because if those are, if those are present in your life, if you've got resentment and bitterness, uh, the New Testament says that bitterness is like a root and it'll grow up and it'll, it'll affect and defile many. It'll clog up your pipes too. It'll keep you from experiencing all that God's called you to. And Jesus said, I've come to give sight to the blind. I've come to set at liberty of those who've been held captive. This is what Jesus was passionate for, for us to be free, for you and I to be free. So when you came to Christ, he began that process in you, but he is still working on that in you today. You and I are at various places along the pathway where he is clearing your pipes. He's clearing your pipe so that you can receive in and breathe out what he has given to you. The person next to you may be a different spot than you, but they are still in the process of having their pipes cleared. It's a process that we refer to as sanctification. You are being made more like Christ as every day passes. God is in that work. He's wanting to free you so that you can breathe freely. So our message today is called Breathe Freely. And specifically, we're going to look at four spiritual issues that can limit your breathing. There are some things that are true for a lot of people just because we all live life. Things that happen that end up causing our flow to be limited or restricted. The flow from heaven is not hindered. The flow from heaven is not restricted. If there's a limitation... It's us. It's us. 
that has tightened off the airway, that has allowed something to affect us. So today, I want us to see what God wants to do and then what we must do so that we can breathe freely. You know, I made a lot of corollaries and metaphors throughout this whole series, and I'll continue to do that because what God designs in the physical is always a picture into the spiritual, and the spiritual is a reality, and the physical is just a picture. Hold on to that. So, um, you know, there are a lot of people who have different breathing issues today, physical breathing issues. Uh, COVID causes some breathing issues. It does. But there are other issues that are present as well. There are people who struggle with asthma. Asthma is a condition in which your lungs become hypersensitive to things that are in the environment, whether it be grass or pet dander or smoke or whatever it might be, chemicals, and it restricts a person's airways when, they, when that happens. They become inflamed and they swell, and the space that air is meant to travel in becomes very, very limited. It's a very difficult condition. There are people who struggle with COPD, uh, which is a, a term that doctors use today for a couple of different conditions, usually emphysema and bronchitis, uh, the two top ones. My dad smoked for many years, and from complications of emphysema, um, he went on to be with the Lord. So I saw firsthand the difficulty that comes with breathing issues like that COPD, where uh, because of pollutants um, that affect the body, that affect our lungs. The lungs become thick. They become difficult for airways to pass through and people cannot breathe. Another one, uh, a very common lung issue today is cystic fibrosis. It's a very painful and difficult condition that is hereditary. It's not that you can catch it from a person near you, but it comes from a family line. It comes because two parents carried the gene that made it susceptible to that, and you develop it, and it begins to affect every system in your body. Your body begins to produce fluids in an overabundance, too much of the secretions, which causes a person to have great difficulty breathing. We had a member who attended here for several years. Her name was Shelly Rozak, who suffered with that condition. She went home to be with the Lord a couple of years back because of that condition passed on through her parents to her. It's hereditary. And then the fourth one that's the most common breathing issue today is pneumonia. Uh, it's one of the side effects that can, people can develop from COVID. Uh, it's also uh, something that is caused by bacteria or a virus that fills the lungs with fluid, makes it very, very difficult to breathe. And you're probably wondering, is this a health lesson or is this church? What is going on here? I'm going somewhere with all of this. I usually am. So uh, I'll come back to those here in just a moment. I want to look at a passage of scripture first and see what God has to say to us from his word. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 through 12, the apostle Paul's writing to the church. Uh, it's a letter in the New Testament. He's written to the church in Corinth, and he writes these words starting in verse 7. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. What a fascinating truth that God, before he ever created anything, had a plan. God had a purpose. God had something he wanted to do. God had a group of people he was going to redeem. God had some people he was going to save and do some amazing things in their life. And I'm just awestruck by the end of this verse here. He says he ordained all of this before the ages for 
our glory. I don't know about you, but I'm not deserving of any glory. Now, here's what I do know about you. You're not either. We are all born sinners, and we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And nobody in this room, nobody on the planet today can stand and say, oh, I think I deserve a little bit of glory. Wrong. You've just been deceived. The Bible makes it clear that you have sinned. You were born in sin, and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But God, before he created all, had a plan that we might experience his glory. That's stunning because I don't deserve any of that glory. Verse 8 says this, which none of the rulers of this age knew. He's referring to his time. He says there have been rulers, kings, people in places of authority, and none of them knew this truth. And he says, for had they known they would have not crucified the Lord of glory, the one who's responsible for glory, the one who's deserving of all glory. If they, those leaders, had known what he had intended, they would not have crucified them, the apostle Paul says. You know why they didn't recognize it? They had very, very limited breathing. They couldn't breathe in truth from God when it was standing right in front of them. Jesus, the Lord of glory, in front of them, and because they're not breathing in truth, they see what should be glory as something that is terrible, something that should be removed, something that should be crucified, and that's what they did. Hey, when you're not breathing in spiritual truth, God will bring greatness right up into your face and you'll look at it and say, get away from me when he's intended to be the very thing to set you free. Shortness of breath spiritually will rob you of the ability to see clearly. And that's what happened, he says, to these people in their day. They crucified, they hated, they wanted to be removed from this person who claimed that there was only one way to God through him, the Lord of glory. He goes on in verse nine and it says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Another stunning truth from the new Testament where Paul says, you know, no one has ever on their own come to a place where they thought of all the grandeur and glory that God has prepared for those who love him. It's never entered into anyone's mind. It's never entered into anyone's heart. Of all the things that man has done, of all the great accomplishments, of all the great buildings, of all the great places, of all the things that man has done, none of them compare to the grandeur and the glory of what God has prepared for those who love him. And no one has ever even come up with that. No one has, because that's not born into the heart of man. It's not born in our minds. You can't conceive it. You can't imagine it. And this verse tells us no one has seen it. No one has known it. It's never even entered into the heart of man. Because you and I are born with a heart that pushes away God. You and I are born with a heart that wants to see ourselves exalted. You and I aren't born with the breath of God within us. 
no one has seen, no one has known what God has truly prepared. What he before the ages planned. What he now has for all who love him. But here's the good news in verse 10. Though it never has entered into the heart of man. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Wow. He says, no one has seen it. No one has known it. No one's ever come up with it. But look here. Here's how you get it. You get it from the spirit of God. The spirit of God reveals it to man. Do you know that when you came to Christ, it wasn't because you woke up one morning and said, hmm, I think I'll change my life. I think I'll clean myself up. I think I'll just do better. That's not how it happened because you were dead in sin. You didn't have anything within you that made it possible for you to reach out to God. But what happened was the spirit of God looked down at you, chose you, spoke to you, and you responded and said, yes, Lord. And when that happened, you were saved. And it wasn't because of anything you did. It was all because of what he did. Now you responded to it. Way to go. Grace came and faith responded, but that, the Bible says, is even a gift of God. That ability to respond, that ability to know him, that ability to say, yes, Lord, that's even a gift from God. You didn't have that within you. You weren't born all that great. In spite of what the world says today, you weren't born good. You were born in sin. And unless you're redeemed, unless you've been spoken to by the Spirit of God, and you respond to that Spirit of God, you're still in your sin. So when he says here, God reveals truth, he reveals it through his spirit. Do you know every Sunday, that's what our staff is praying for, for this time? That God would reveal things by his spirit to all of us. That we might, as we are gathered together, listening to God's word, have him speak to us and reveal new things to us. Amen? Yeah, we've come to experience something today to have him reveal. Now, this is where this passage gets a little in-depth, so let's, let's just go a little deeper here because it says, this, let's go back to verse 10, just one more minute. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So let's just lay out some descriptions here. Uh, we know that the Bible says there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They are all three unique, but they are all three one. And here, this verse tells us that the Spirit, which another word for Spirit here is breath. The very breath, essence, heart, purpose of God he has revealed himself to us, but it says here, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So within the Trinity, this spirit, breath, purpose, he knows the depths of God. He knows the mysteries of God. He knows the answers to the questions that you and I stay awake at night asking about God. 
He knows all those things. He searches them. Verse 11 says this. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man or of the man which is in him? So here's how this works. So Eli's right here. And I know Eli. I know some things about Eli. But I really can't tell what all's going on inside Eli right now. I can look. If you know Eli, you know that's impossible to begin with. No, it's impossible for all of us. Uh, you, you can't know what's going on inside another person. You really can't. You can see outwardly. You can hear their words. You can watch their face. You can see their actions. But it is impossible for you to know truly what's going on inside someone else. You cannot know their motivations as though you would like to try and think you do. You don't. Don't assume someone else's motivation because you cannot know them. Only Eli... And the spirit of Eli knows what's going on inside Eli. That's what Beth told me. So uh, his wife. Now, it's true though, right? I mean, there's no way. And, and Eli could say the same thing about Beth. Sometimes you probably, no, he wouldn't say that. Sometimes a, a husband says, man, I just wish I could know what was going on inside there. And she says, yeah, I, would, I wish you could too. So, but nobody can know truly what's going on. As much as Heather and I know each other, I can't know what's going on inside her. The only one that knows what's truly going on inside Heather is the spirit of Heather. She knows her thoughts, intentions, motivations, desires, dreams, hurts, disappointments. She knows that. I can know some of it, but only she knows that. And only I can know mine. Second part of this verse. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. There are things deep within the heart of God, deep within the counsel and mysteries and wisdom and power and glory that only the Spirit of God knows. No one else knows those things. Despite how much of the Scripture you've, you've read, Despite how long you've known him, there are still mysteries. In fact, even in eternity, we'll always be learning more of those mysteries. There are mysteries deep within the heart of God that only the Spirit of God can know. Verse 12. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. This is the stunning grace of the gospel. That God who has the Spirit, who knows himself, the day you were born again, he, in complete grace, allowed you to be the home where he places his Spirit. So that now, in me, because I have called out to Christ, he has put his spirit within me, his essence, his person, his very breath, and I can now begin to know all that is in him because his spirit is within me. Now, let's unpack this just a little bit because people like to think they come to know God because they 
fill their mind with more information about God or because they do religious things. God reveals truth through his spirit and it comes into our spirit. Stay with me. The condition of your spirit will determine how much of him you understand. The condition of your spirit, that core of you, that part of you that is the essence that no one else knows but you, that part of you, that spirit, that breath of you, whatever the quality of that is, is what will determine how much you will know of him. So it works like this. God limits, restricts, resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see it? The condition of your heart, if it is humble, if you put your place in a self of humility before God, say, God, I don't have all the answers. I need you. You are the source of life. You are my strength. You are my life. If you put yourself in a humble place, your breathing capacity will just open right up. You'll get your pipes cleared. When you have a place in your life where you are sincere, when you are seeking truth, when you are humble, when you are honest, when you're willing to be vulnerable, when you're willing to admit your weaknesses, when you're willing to put yourself before God, laid bare, surrendered, trusting him for all things, that is your spirit being cleared and clean. But if your spirit, the core of who you are, has things like arrogance, Resistance, bitterness, selfishness, those are roots and junk in your pipes, and they will cut off the supply. And you'll wonder, why is it I just feel so spiritually empty? Why is it I just am spiritually tired all the time? Why is it? I don't have any connection with God. Why is it I don't seem to get answers? Why is it I have such difficulty praying? Why is it I'm filled with anxiety all the time? Why is it I can't get over this habit? It's because your pipes are clogged. It's because you have limited the supply of God coming in. So today, much like when the plumber came into my house and he ran a camera beneath the surface, we're about to unleash the camera of God into our souls and let him look around for a little bit. Everybody game for that? Because I want us to look at four spiritual conditions that can keep us from truly experiencing all that he has for us, all that he wants us to know, all that he wants us to have. The last part of verse 12, before I get to those four, says this, that he's given us this spirit that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Freely given to us. When I, had, when I had a plumbing problem in my house, I didn't call the city of Old Villa and said, 
What is wrong with your water tower down there? Come on, let that thing go so I can get some help here in my house. If I had, they would have said, sir, the problem is not with the supply. The problem is in your own house. So this morning, let's let the camera go and we might find out some things that are in our own house. Amen? Everybody game for it? All right. Four spiritual issues that can limit your spiritual breathing. Here's the first one. Hypersensitivity. Let me unpack this and unfold it for us this morning. If you want to take pictures of the screen, that won't bother me a bit. You can use those for your notes. Asthma. I described asthma to you earlier. Asthma is a condition in which a person's lungs become inflamed to pollutants in the area. They can be a variety of things in the environment. Their airways become very hypersensitive to things in the environment. Whatever comes in, the body responds as though it is being attacked. The body responds by trying to fight it off, even though it should be something that the body knows how to deal with. And when that happens, the airways become inflamed and they become difficult to get wind and air through. And so a person has asthma attacks where they all of a sudden cannot breathe. There's a spiritual corollary to this. And it happens when you and I become hypersensitive to things happening in our environment. When we let fear of some information we got overtake us. Fear, anxiety, depression. Whenever we get to the place where we let doubt and worry affect us, we are taking information in that should be something we process and, and seek God for, but our soul instead becomes filled with worry, becomes obsessed with fear, anxiety, and we start having all these negative assumptions about the moment. Anybody ever walk down the negative assumption road where something happens and all of a sudden you've got the future all figured out and it is the absolute worst case scenario. You have just, you followed the path and there's no hope in it, there's no light in it, there's no God in it, there's no glory in it. It's all terrible. I can talk about this because I can do this. I know it. I know this path. And I know I'm susceptible to some spiritual asthma. Because when it happens, my spiritual pathway from God to me gets, it gets real small. And it's funny that we even, it's not funny, it's curious that we even call some of those moments in our life anxiety attacks. Because we get overwhelmed with the information coming in instead of trusting God in that moment. We start second-guessing everything that's happening in our life. We start second-guessing everything we said. Did I say the right thing? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Oh, my goodness, I wonder if they're going to do this. They're probably going to be upset with me. Oh, I know they're upset with me because of the thing I said to them. You ever do that? You replay conversation, and you got this worst-case scenario thing going on, and you start over-analyzing every situation. You stay up late at night wondering, 
I wonder what they mean when they said that. Oh, I, oh, I, know, what the, oh, I know exactly what they meant when they said that. You know, you, just, you get on this path, you're overanalyzing, you're overdoing it, and you've become hypersensitive. When that happens, you are choking off your ability to trust God. You're choking off your ability to rest in the moment. You're choking off your ability to just have peace with God in spite of what's happening in your circumstances. It's why Paul would write later in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. Don't let your passageways get constricted. Don't keep thinking about worst case scenarios because that's not taking you down the God path scenario. Do not be anxious about anything. I just want to pull off the road here for just a moment. This is an easy day in which we live, become anxious about everything. Hello? If you're watching the news today, if you're thinking about things happening in our world today, if you're thinking about politics and government, if you're thinking about your own physical health, it is easy. It is completely easy to get panicked and anxiety-ridden about everything. Hello? And here Paul writes from a situation of much greater risk than we were in than we are in today. And he says, "Do not be anxious for anything, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God." Then the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If you're like me and you recognize right away here, we just barely got this camera underground and all of a sudden it's highlighting some stuff going on. If that's you, if that's you, this is what you do. Just like somebody who is having an asthma attack, we would sit them down, we would tell them to try to breathe slowly and breathe deeply. Help is on the way. This is what you and I need to do. If this is your issue, stop. Stop panicking. Stop worst case scenarioing everything. Stop second guessing. Stop overanalyzing. Sit down. Rest in the Lord. Do not be anxious about anything. Let your request be made known to God. God, would you work in this situation in my marriage, life, finances, health? If you'll leave it with him, the peace of God will come in and settle you. Open up the pipes for you so you can breathe. So you can breathe. That's condition number one, spiritual asthma. Number two, refusal to change. I'm going to liken this to spiritual COPD. As I mentioned earlier, COPD is an umbrella for a variety of issues, but mostly includes emphysema. And um, what was the other one I mentioned uh, the lady said, ain't, ain't nobody got time for this. It's bronchitis, baby. Yeah, <laughs> if you've seen the video. Um, those two conditions usually happen because of some irritants that have come in. Smoking, 
which releases 7,000 chemicals into your body every time you do it. I won't go down that road. Um, when your lungs begin to be afflicted with irritants like that, with bronchitis and emphysema, here's what happens. Those airways begin to thicken. And so when they thicken, they decrease the amount of air that can go through. Do you know the Bible says that when we allow pride into our heart, when we allow arrogance in, when we allow resistance to God in, that that kind of pride affects your heart? In fact, it says that uh, there are those who harden their hearts, or the New Testament says that knowledge puffs up, causes someone's heart to swell, their spiritual heart swells because they think, I got this. I don't need anybody. I don't need God. I don't need his word. I can make it through my day. I don't need to worship. I don't need to pray. That thing about church, that's one day a week. The rest of it, I got. I'm not going to change. And if he asked me to change, I'm not doing it. It was their fault that caused the problem, not mine. And until they change, I'm not going to change. And who does God think he is? And pretty soon, you've gotten all swole up in your heart because you think you know better than God. And you say, I'm not changing, I'm not bowing, I'm not going to give in. And you resist and you refuse. And God says, give. And he says, and you say, no. God says, submit. And you say, no. God says, come to me. And you say, no. All the while, you are thickening up your heart and you are cutting off the amount of supply coming in. And you wonder, how come God doesn't hear my prayer? How come I don't see peace in my life? Because you have stubbornly refused to change. You have stubbornly put your hand up to God and said no. And you have caused your heart to become arrogant and proud. Now that's a sad place to get to. Because when your heart gets proud and your heart becomes hard, the book of Proverbs would tell us that the only remedy for many people like that is to be suddenly cut off. They have to go through a breaking. They have to go through a complete breaking of who they are, cut off from family, cut off from a church. You know in the New Testament there's actually church discipline that for when a person refuses and refuses and refuses and refuses that the final step is to put them out of the church. It's a dangerous place you get to when you harden your heart, when you thicken up and say, no, God. It's a spiritual condition that will dramatically impact your ability to breathe because God does not give his glory to those who are stubborn and resistant. I've known people who are like that, but they keep up a look of church and Christianity. They still read their Bible, go to church, do churchy things, but they end up living a very different lifestyle, a double life. And it's an arrogant life that pushes away 
the reality of God. If this is you, if this is a struggle for you, the Bible makes it clear that the remedy is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Stop resisting. Bow. Serve. Come to and yield to him. Condition number three today. is self-reliance. You know, it's fascinating, this um, condition of cystic fibrosis, where the body begins to produce fluids in an overabundance, too much for the body to truly handle. And the fact that it, the way you get cystic fibrosis is from your parents. You don't get it because someone coughed on you at Walmart. It comes to you through genetics. You know, the Bible is very clear that the sin nature that you have, you didn't get it one day when you were three or seven or 15. It wasn't because of something you did. You were born with it. It came through your parents who got it from their parents, who got it from their parents, all the way back to Adam. It has been passed down through family to family, and you were born with a nature that is the opposite of all things godly. The Bible calls that nature the flesh. It is this desire to protect itself. I'm not talking about skin. I know sometimes we use this to describe our flesh. But when the Bible calls or uses the term flesh, it's referring to uh, our heart. And so the New Testament refers to those who walk in the flesh, even believers, who choose to walk in their own ways, walk in their own desires. They want to self-protect They want to self-justify. They want to seek selfishness. They want their own glory. They want their own pleasure. They want their own way. They depend upon their own mind. They depend upon their own feelings. They don't surrender to God. They don't submit to God. They just do what they want to do. If they're faced with a decision, they think about it and they make that decision. That's the flesh. It's the natural way. I do what I want to do. And boy, that flesh will rear up at times. If you've ever had someone on the highway or in Walmart cut you off with their buggy, there's this feeling that comes up all of a sudden, like, hey, what are you doing? That's your flesh. That right there. That's your flesh. In that last time that you experienced a wave of temptation to do something that you knew was not godly, that was your flesh. In that moment that your spouse said something to you and you turned around with, what? That's your flesh right there, just clearly. Because it wants to self-protect, self-justify, blame, point fingers, and protect itself. And this can really affect your ability to breathe in truth. If that's all you do is walk in your flesh, that's all you listen to is your own opinion, your own ideas, your own feelings, you're not walking then in the spirit 
The Bible says that the remedy for this is to walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Take in what God is saying to you and intentionally tell that flesh no. And you'll open up the pathway to hear clearly. Number four, the fourth condition is hidden sin. I described to you earlier pneumonia. It's a condition that happens when our breathing is affected because of bacteria and virus. Uh, viruses that come into the body that weren't designed for the body and they cause sickness and they cause illness and it causes inflammation and it causes pus and all kind of gross stuff to happen in our body. You get pneumonia, you get fluid in your lungs and you're coughing and it's difficult to breathe. That happens, you know, when you have hidden sin in your life. When you allow sin to go on in your life that you are aware of, God's pointed out to you, and you refuse to repent of it. You refuse to walk away from it. You refuse to stop it. When you carry on hidden sin, you are, you are causing a breathing condition to happen in your soul. Your ability to breathe in truth is going to be significantly limited because you have allowed sin in, and it is filling up your airway. It's causing inflammation, and you're not able to breathe. First John says, if you say that you have no sin, then you are a liar. Now, the truth is not in you. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He can clear your pipes. So as we come to the end today, the camera has been below the surface now. It's time to learn how to breathe. It's time to let Jesus do what he came to do, to free us, to cleanse us, to open up our passageway so that we can truly breathe. But this is where it comes down to me and you. If you recognized yourself here this morning in some way, then it's on us to repent and say, God, Forgive me. I have allowed selfishness, sin, fear, anxiety, resentment, arrogance to block my pipes. And the reason I haven't heard you is not because you're not speaking, but because I have not been listening. I have put myself ahead of you, and today, I'm done with it. I choose to repent of those so that I can hear you. You weren't meant to live sick spiritually. You were meant to live free. You were meant to live with an awareness that God loves you forever and he will not stop loving you. You were meant to live with the awareness that your sin was paid for at Calvary. The sin from before and the sin from today and the sin from the future. And that you now in his presence have been seated at his right hand and declared righteous. That's what you were meant to live as. 
You weren't meant to live in anxiety and fear and worry about the future. You were meant to live in absolute trust of the Father who knows you and has a plan for your life. And you were meant to walk in boldness. You were meant to walk in courage. You were meant to walk in hearing from him. You were meant to walk in exercising him. You were meant to live in absolute joy of knowing God. It's not meant to be a beating for you. But it comes down to how much are you breathing in? And would you repent today? Would you bow your heads? What is it God is bringing to your attention today? What has the camera revealed? Would you dare to believe that you really are loved just like he says? Would you dare to believe that you are completely forgiven because of the atoning death of Christ for you? Would you dare to believe that the very essence and breath of God fills you today? Would you dare to believe that he has a purpose for your life bigger than what you can imagine? And would you dare to breathe all of that in freely today? without any obstructions, without anything standing in the way, without any resistance on your part, would you open up your heart to receive all of that and dare to walk in it today? This is what he gave us his breath for so that we might know the things that are freely given to us by him. I'm going to pray and in just a moment I'm going to ask you if you'd like to come to this altar to pray to kneel to talk to God to repent to come with someone maybe to pray for them or have them pray for you this altar becomes that place today where you meet with God where you become serious where you own the responsibility for hearing from him. He's speaking. Don't let anything in your life restrict the airflow in or out. Father, this morning, you've made it abundantly clear that you want us to know your glory. It comes through knowing Jesus Christ and it comes through a heart that is humble that stops justifying, stops blaming, stops resisting, but fully falls at your feet. I pray this altar would be that place this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? The band's going to sing. You respond. You come. Do not be ashamed. Do not be afraid. This is your time to seek the Lord.